<laughs> Hello and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. My name is Tyler Cartwright, joined as always by my co-host John Carey. I knew he had it in him. Um, we are recording separately today uh, because one of us, the the cooler one, is in Morocco right now. So enjoying the nice hundred degree weather and uh, getting nice and pink out here, um, while John enjoys that nice crisp seventy five degree weather in Seattle. Yeah, well, you know. Tyler hasn't been paying his taxes for the last 15 years, so I figured it's time for a little European excursion while he gets things figured out with the IRS. But uh, So we apologize if the sound quality is maybe a little bit down on this episode, but this podcast is coming to you from across the Atlantic, so, uh, you know, maybe give us a break. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with it. Um, so today, um, we are recording this currently, it is Saturday, July 8th. So this is before the All-Star game happens, and hopefully we're going to get this out on Sunday, July 9th, um, before the All-Star game happens. But if not, we're sorry. Just enjoy our reactions to the to the pregame, and we'll probably get a post-game show out and talk about it a little bit more the week after. Um, other than that, we're just going to talk about kind of the Mariners and their recent stretch of games against um, the pretty good teams that we that we talked about the last time, I guess, two, two episodes ago, um, and just, just get into it because... There's been an interesting stretch going on. Yeah, uh, anything we'll else before we get going, John? Kraken. Little Kraken, perfect. Um, other than that, let's get a little coyote picnic in here and get going. So, today, it is currently for me, it's 6 o'clock p.m. on Saturday, July 8th, and so the Mariners have not played their game against the Astros yet today, um, but they did win very convincingly last night, a solid 10-1 to game, um, scoring nine runs in the fourth, which was a, a sight to behold, I'm sure if you were watching the game, I obviously was asleep, but it <laughs> sounds like it was fan. great. <laughs> Um, sounds like it was a great experience for the team and they are currently, they've won their last two series against two very good teams and are on pace to win the series against the Astros. Obviously we say that they're going to lose these next two games. Um, but they beat the Rays twice, uh, eight to three and seven to six. And then, uh, the Giants, they also beat twice, six to five and six to zero. Um, the two games that they lost, one against the Giants, one against the Rays, were kind of convincing losses. The, they lost 15-4 to against the Rays um, in the first game of that series. And then in the last game against the Giants, they lost 2-0, to getting shut out. But it had a nice start from, uh, I believe, Brian Wu. Um, but all around, they've been playing good baseball ever since we started talking crap about him. Oh, it was Tommy Malone in place of Bryce Miller. That's what it was. Um, they've been playing good baseball, John. Any, any thoughts about what's been going on? Yeah, we just, we really can't catch a break, you know? All this research, <laughs> all this intrepid analysis, nobody cares more about this than us. And yet, every single time this year, we have to be 0 for 10 on predicting how the next couple of weeks are going to go for the for the Mariners. Um, and once again, you know, I, all year I've been the pessimist and you've been the optimist. Last week when we released that last episode... Uh, it was the first time that you kind of folded and joined the pessimism train. And that was at the end of June, and July has been a masterclass. We've won six of our seven games um, in great fashion. Our offense is cooking. Uh, besides that zero, uh, zero run loss to the Giants, in the month of July, our low-scoring outing is a 5-1 win over the Astros. Um, so the offense has been cooking, pitching's been solid, Ugh. and you know, I'm happy, of course, but at the same time, I just, I just want to be right once. I just want to be right <laughs> once about the Mariners and where they're going. I don't even know what to say. I think one thing to, to think about um, that we can be happy about for ourselves and our enjoyment of this is that uh, 
early on in the season, I think we discussed this like a month in, and we said the Mariners play to their competition. And I think that is something that hasn't changed. And so we're just seeing that. Like they're playing good teams and they're playing good baseball. They were playing kind of crap teams for a little bit there and getting beat around. Obviously, they're I don't know that they've gotten swept. Let me look. The last time they got swept in a series. Do you do you have that off the top of your head? I'm gonna pull it up if not. I do not have that off the top of my head. I try not they to got think about swept. it. <laughs> they got swept by the Rangers in early June. Oh yeah, um, I see that. Oh two, six sixteen, and three twelve. Oof. Yeah, but since then, God, that national series pisses me off. Since then, the uh, they've at least won a single game in every single series since then, um, and obviously a, not a majority, but maybe fifty percent of those they've been winning in, winning the series. And so that's all you can expect is kind of five hundred baseball from a team that we were saying is a five hundred base five hundred team. Um, I'll tell you what, in July we are not a five hundred team. In July we're the best team in baseball. That's that's what you love to hear. They currently. Hey, hey can think, you go for it? Can you do me a favor. Remind me. Last year, the Mariners were really struggling, and then they went on this incredible run to get in the playoff race. When did that happen? They were, I believe, they were twenty-nine and thirty-nine in kind of like early June, huh. and then they won fourteen straight coming into the All Star break. Huh? Because we've we've won six of seven going into the All Star break. That's interesting. <laughs> hmm. Huh? Interesting. It's almost like the young guys like getting excited about baseball, and so they start to play better when things are happening. Crazy. Wild to think about. Um, um, so I think we should kind of bleed our all-star discussion into this discussion because I think the two are related. Yeah. Um, all-star game's coming up. It's going to be on Tuesday here in Seattle. Very exciting. Go out, buy beer, support the city, have a good time. Um, and to both of our pleasant surprise... Uh, the Seattle Mariners are going to have not one, as we feared, but three representatives in the All-Star game. Uh, George Kirby, Luis Castillo, and Julio will all be representing the Emerald City in the Emerald City, which I think is really cool. I would agree it's really cool. One thing to note, and not to put a damper on the parade, but the only reason we have more than one is because some of the outfielders bowed out and some of the starting pitchers bowed out of the all-star game. So initially okay. Castillo was our one representative. And then we do not need this negativity. I'm just informing the people so that they understand that they still have to go out and vote next year to get Julio in the all-star game. You know, I guess you're right. Yeah, that is fair. I, I wasn't like, going to tell them, you know? Yeah, we have, we have to, you know, we have to get our guys in there and we have to vote for them. It's not, it's not their job to vote. We have to do the voting to get them in the fan vote. So next year, get on it, people. Yeah. And so it's interesting, you know, like you said, a little help, little help from, from the gods of injury. But uh, what that still speaks to is that we have a lot of talent this year kind of sitting right at that line, you know, maybe right below what would be traditionally considered all-star caliber. Um but still really good. And, I, you know, I think kind of pitching is our best example of that. You know, Kirby's having a good year. He's, he's got a 309 ERA on the year. Um, Ten walks to 89 strikeouts. I love to see that. That's um, a crazy stat. Yeah. Yeah, really good. He has allowed 11 home runs, but, you know, say la um, Castillo's having a really good year, 285 ERA. 111 or 117 strikeouts and 28 walks. Um, we're good at not walking a lot of batters. I, I love that. And obviously, those are two all stars. Good for them. They deserve it. Luis is the is the true to the blue all star, and, and Castillo, or and Kirby a little less so. But um, I was looking up odds for the AL Cy Young today. Because um, I was just curious how our pitching stacked up. And, I, yeah, it's pretty interesting. We have uh, the number 7, the number 10, and the number 12 in terms of betting odds to win the AL Cy Young. That's obviously really? Castillo, Kirby, and Gilbert at 12. Um, that's really cool and speaks to, you know, not necessarily the best pitchers in baseball, but a lot of high caliber pitchers. We have three pitchers that any one team would hypothetically be happy to have. Um, so, and that's, you know, that's not even mentioning, uh, not even mentioning Bryce Miller or 
Uh, he who shall not be named. <laughs> you talk about Marco or Brian Wu? I can't. I don't know. They're both. They're both tough. <laughs> <laughs> um. um I would, I would actually expand on that. I think we have five pitchers that any team would be happy to have at least slotted in at their three. Brian Wu is a great, great number five starter for us, and it's crazy that we've been able to get what we've gotten out of him. Obviously, Bryce Miller right now, and we can touch on this a little bit, he's got a blister. He had a blister. He had to come out of a game a couple of days ago. Um, but I would agree, our pitching has been really solid, and it is a place that we might be able to, to – or that we've proven that we can pull depth from. Um, and I think the, uh, that's a great stat that we have, the number 7, 10, and 12 in terms of betting odds for AL Cy Young. That's maybe a little bit high almost to me. Just when I think of, like, Logan Gilbert, I don't I don't think of as a Cy Young contender. But <coughs> that's that's crazy that, that he's kind of revered in that way in the, in the baseball sphere, which is really cool to hear. Well, yeah, and also, you know, if you're ranked number 12 for the Cy Young, it's all but guaranteed you're not going to win it, but it just shows that you're a talented, talented pitcher. I mean, how often do you talk about guys that aren't top 10 in the betting odds? But No, true, true. But Yeah, but yeah, we have a lot of good pitching. You know, it's kind of interesting. You know, we, you know, we have 7, 10, and 12, so we do have high-end talent, but this Mariners team is kind of reminding me just a tiny bit of, uh, of the Kraken team in that kind of how we talked about all year for the Kraken. We've just got, like, only... We've had, like, exclusively good players. Like, no bad players, but not a lot of, like, great players. Mm. Um, you know, Castillo has the argument. Julio obviously can be great. But uh, I was just thinking about the fact that, yeah, we probably would have had one all-star representative. Ty France was the fifth-ranked first baseman in the AL for all-star. JP was fifth as well. I'll tell you um, what, JP is making a case right now, though. JP has been had a, having a tear in the month of July in his last, like, I guess, like 20 games or so. He's been going off. Yeah, but I, so I was just thinking, it's like, yeah, like, you know, we're good at a lot of positions. Um, but, you know, not necessarily great. Our pitching staff is a collective. Obviously, 7, 10, and 12 is tough to beat. But uh, individually, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, it's – I mean – the more you think about it, the more you're like, man, why can't this team be better than the Astros or something like that, which is the thing that makes me sad. But um, they're obviously proving right now that they could play with the best of them. Um, they just have to be in the right mindset and playing the right brand of baseball that they that everybody has known that they can play. Um, and if they keep this pace up, who knows? Maybe, maybe they could make the playoffs. But I'm still a little sheepish right now with the Rangers and Astros ahead of us. Um, by by a few games, and then uh, the uh, obviously the Rays, Yankees, and is it the Blue Jays who are good? I guess the Orioles as well are good over in the uh, AL East, and so the wild card yeah. spot is going to be very tough to grab. Um, the, all yeah, that it's going to we're going to have to catch the Astros, Blue Jays, or Orioles, including passing the Yankees and Red Sox on the way. So yeah, it's a climb. Yeah, I'm just man. I'm just saying that just so we can reverse jinx them. Still, you know, I don't. I want to. I want to hold out hope for the people. Um, yeah, if, just to if give, this is give the Mariners happen, a sign. If this is what's going to happen, <laughs> if we're going to be wrong every time, then we will promise our listeners that we are going to be so negative about the Mariners all year <laughs> to really try and boost them into the wild card spot. Um, yeah, you know, to your point, we just won six of seven, and we are now a game over five hundred. Um, which tells you a little something about where we were before we won six of seven. Um, yep. And maybe, yeah, puts a little a little cooling cooling air on what's been a really hot streak. But, uh, you know, still great to see. July has been fantastic. Um, really cool. I, I wanted other, to just – sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the other thing with that is July being fantastic is great because we have the All-Star game coming in with the team playing well. People are excited about it. And then – the real key is, like, hopefully after the All-Star break, we can keep this momentum going forward. I think that's going to be the thing that determines how, how good we are for the rest of the season, um, is how the how the month of July, like, finishes up. I think that's going to be it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if, if we want any chance, we've got to finish the month just as strongly as we've started it because we really need to start chipping away here. Um, so we talked about Kirby and Castillo. I wanted to give... 
Julio a bit of a shout out. Um, yeah. Having a down year by his standards, he's batting 252 on the year with 13 home runs, 99 strikeouts, which I don't love to see. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I did want to mention that starting on July 1st, so covering the entirety of this great stretch in July, he is on a hit streak. Uh, starting July 1st, he's had three, two, one, two, two, one, two hits. Uh, through those seven games. So um, the guy's bat's on fire. He's getting on base every single game. Um, I'm curious to see how far he can go. I'm trying to remember what the all-time hit streak is. Obviously, I don't think Julio's going to break it. It's but 56. It's, yeah, it's not anywhere 56? close to 56? I thought it was like 20. No, it's 56. <laughs> Good Lord. Okay, well, yeah, he's probably not going to do this another 50 games. But... uh Still, a really nice streak. Nice to see him consistently, you know, working the pitchers and getting on base. Yeah, another note about that is every time, so obviously I've been in Europe and Africa the last week or so and have been unable to watch the games. But when I look at the scorecard and look at the stats in the mornings and whatever, I see that Julio has been involved in the scoring of the team quite frequently. Um, He's hitting the ball and bringing driving runs in, which is what you really want to see out of your, you know, star hitters is them coming up in big spots and big moments that, uh, that they can, you know, do that. And he was definitely not performing to those capabilities earlier in the season. And he's lived up to his hype a little bit more recently, which I love to see. Yep. Yep. Great. Love to see it. Julio's playing better. Hopefully he can keep climbing. Um, yeah. At the, Start of the month, he was batting 238, and he's raised his average 14 points. So if he can keep that up through the rest of the month, he'll be right back where we need him to be. I would, I would just be really psyched if he could finish this year. Screw everything else. Everyone agrees the most important person on this roster is Julio Rodriguez. He's our star. We need him to be our star. Um, and if he can just finish this year batting something like 270, not something like. I want him batting over 270 by the end of the year. And if that was the case, with everything else that's going on, I would call this year a success. Julio fought through his sophomore slump, ended with a really, really solid season. Things did not necessarily go our way, I'm assuming. (laughs) Reverse jinx. Um, And hopefully we can get a little momentum going into next year. But I think everyone can agree he's the most important thing. So his development and tenacity and continuing to fight on these at-bats is, is the most important thing. Yeah, one one other note that I would I would bring up is uh, Julio's average is currently 252. Um, and if he were to get to 270, that would mean that he had just like a great second half of the season. Um, or, yeah, I said that right. Um, and I think if that were to happen – along with other people playing as to where like to where they've been playing and maybe even a little bit better um i think we would make the playoffs like if, if julio got to 270 i think we hit we make the playoffs that's my that would be my my he'd method. have to back 290 for the rest of the year yeah which is which is definitely doable that's it's a that's a really good stretch of baseball but it's definitely doable yeah yeah i i agree it is asking a lot but then again my boy Fredell's still batting over 300 so if he can do it <laughs> You need to get off this, man. No, um, man. I'm, I just need I need the viewers to always remember that time that, <laughs> that you got you got smoked by the Cincinnati Reds. Okay, we're I'm just gonna move past it. I'm gonna act like that didn't even wasn't even said. One other guy that I want to bring up who's been I don't I don't even know how to describe him, but he's been the best thing that the Mariners could ask for recently. Uh, is is Mike Ford? I don't know if you've looked at Mike Ford's numbers recently. But he came up at like kind of the middle of June, and he's hit eight home runs. He's batting two eighty two with a nine sixty five OPS. Um, he's produced point seven WAR since then. Um, he's on base. It's three thirty seven. His slugging is six twenty eight. So he is just hitting bombs. And I think he had three. His birthday was the other day. He had three hits on his birthday, including a single double and a home run, and I think another double. Um, the man's been on a tear and it's been great to have somebody coming into that DH spot. And 
produce, whether that was, you know, a little like singles or whatever, like anybody producing out of that position is what the Mariners needed. And with that, it's been a lot of success. He's got 78 ABs, but he's, he's been a really good spark for the, for the offense recently. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Uh, his birthday was the other day. His birthday is the 4th of July. This, this, I wasn't sure if it was the 4th or the 3rd. <laughs> this this MFR is as American as it gets. Literally born on the 4th of July. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. He's 31 years old, but it's only his second year. So, a bit of a late bloomer career-wise. But, yeah, he's been really, really good. And, you know, I'd love seeing anything out of that DH spot batting over 200. So, 282 is, is more than we could ask for. Um, yeah, that's been great. That's been a nice, a nice boost to the offense, taking away our probably lowest performing position and, and replacing it with somebody who's really solid. You know, yeah. it's probably worth just mentioning while we're talking about how great Ford has been. Kalnick has really fallen off. Um, yes, I was actually going to bring that up, but I didn't want to make us feel bad about ourselves. No, he's he's down to two forty seven on the year. He was batting over three hundred at one point. And he still only has 11 home runs, which might sound solid, but he had like eight home runs through the like first May. month or whatever. Yeah. It was. yeah. <laughs> so it's been, yeah, it's he's been really a fallen off streak. Um, the one guy who's kind of stepped up, I think recently, I guess to a couple guys is Suarez. He's, he's brought his average up to 230, which doesn't sound like much, but he was hovering around that 210 to 215 mark. Um, along with Teoscar, who we've talked about um, a bunch. He's obviously had a little bit of a power surge. He's got 15 home runs now. He's on a good pace. So all that is to say, the guys are the, – the veterans are stepping up. Jared Kelnick's kind of – the league is figuring him out, and so he's he's working his way back. He just hit – he just had a two-hit game um, yesterday as of when we record this. So figuring things out, he's kind of on that second surge that you would like to see from somebody who was good – the league figured him out, and now he's figuring out what the league did and how to adjust, which is what you like to see, from a, especially from a rookie-slash-kind-of-sophomore guy. Yeah, definitely. Love to see it. So the team, yeah. yeah. Give, us your, give us your prediction, Tyler. Let's stop beating around the bush. How are we going to finish the month of July? The month of July. Okay, so we're 6-1 and one currently. Yeah. Um, let me look at just the... So number what we of have games is, that we're going to have. Yeah, we have one more game against the Strohs and then the All-Star break. We then have a three-game series against the Tigers, four against the Twins, three against the Blue Jays, three against the Twins, three against the Diamondbacks, and we finish with a game against the Red Sox. Man, we play the Twins seven times in ten games. That will be yeah. an interesting series. That's going to be good to tell us where we're at because they're basically the same team as us, honestly. Um, yes. I would love to win the, five of those. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Blue Jays are good, and the Diamondbacks are really good. But they may have just lost Corbin Carroll, who is a Seattle guy, which would suck. He looks like he just tweaked his shoulder and might be out for the All-Star game, and he was set to lead off. So that would have been really cool to be back in his hometown. So yeah, sucks for him, but yeah. might make the Mariners have a, uh, a better chance against them later in the, uh, later in the month. Um, in terms of a prediction, so we're six and one now, and we've got what is that? There's 26 total games in the month of July. Yeah, there's 18. More. So 18 more. I would say we go a solid 11 and seven. I, I I could feel a good 11. I could feel good with an 11 and seven record over that. We jumped to five games over 500 over that stretch, um, and we're looking good coming out of July. I think that's that's all you could ask for. Um, that would be what is that a seventeen and eight month? That's really good. That's good baseball. Yep, I think that's that's a totally reasonable call, and I am going the other way. I think we're gonna finish the month going seven and eleven um, <laughs> to turn it into a fourteen and twelve month, and we're gonna be right back where we started at the end of June. You know, I understand why you're doing this. I just don't like it. I, I want to be excited, man. <laughs> well, hey, the good news is, the thing is, we've just, we've been too much on the same page with our predictions. I, that's you know, true. One of us is going to be right. I think that's such a reasonable <laughs> 11 and 7, 7 and 11. It's such a reasonable range that one of us is going to be at least more right than the other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, 
do you want to get into some of the moves that the Mariners have made in the last couple of weeks? And maybe after that, so that might be a little sad discussion. We have, we've seen a couple of guys go that we really liked, but, uh, and they maybe move into like what they could use or what they might be looking for at the trade deadline or what they might do really quick. We've been talking for 25 minutes, so we might want to take a breather as well, if you would like. Yeah. Why don't we take a little break? And then when we come back, we'll crack into what the Mariners can do to make Tyler's prediction correct um, and what they will do to make my prediction correct. Um, <laughs> and then after that, we'll talk a little crack in and, and probably wrap up after that. So going into the break, we'll see you guys soon. This episode is brought to you by Rick's Nightclub. Are you an American national in the country of Morocco? looking to escape back over the Atlantic, but you just can't seem to? Well, do we have the place for you. Rick's Nightclub is a fun location with drinks, music, and illegal passports being handed out all over the place. Come to Rick's Nightclub and expatriate. All right. Recent moves from the Mariners. Um, We've had five since the month of July started. So let's just, let's do that. Um, Actually, we're going to talk about the last June move as well. So in in June, towards late June on the 27th, they uh, designated right-handed pitcher Chris Flexen for assignment, as we called for pretty early on. Um, not early on, but like a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, um, after they reinstated right-handed pitcher Trevor Gott from the 15-day injured list. Trevor Gott's been really good for the Mariners, um, and or he was really good for the Mariners, and it was sad to see him go on uh when was that that was july 3rd when the mariners traded trevor got and chris flexen who was in the dfa process um for left-handed pitcher zach muckenham muckenherm um of the new york mets in terms of what this does for the team i think all that it does is relieve or relieve some of the chris flexen's salary he was he was set to make four million dollars over the rest of the season now the Mariners don't have to pay that. Um, I don't really think there was anything else related to this move that was super important. I don't think Zach Muckenherm is going to be big for the team in any way over this next um, portion of the season. I believe he was actually going through the designation for assignment process as well. So we traded two DFA guys for each other and also threw in Trevor Gott, who was good for us. So I don't necessarily know that it was good, but we got rid of uh, $4 million. So great for John Stanton and his, uh, his owner's money. Ah, goodness gracious. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, but sad to see Chris Flexen go. I really liked him the last couple of years as kind of our – he was kind of just like a stalwart. Um, before we got Gilbert or Kirby, we had Chris Flexen and Marco Gonzalez, and it was just like those two fighting along with Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn and whoever we could string together over the over those kind of rougher years. Um, really, I really enjoyed Chris Flexen on the team, and – was kind of upset that they didn't really treat him well this year. Uh, but there wasn't really a place for him. We wanted to keep him around, but I think he may have just found a better spot with the Mets. Um, and if he clears waivers after the DFA, he'll probably get claimed by a team because he's definitely capable of being a good good you know four or five starter. Um, any thoughts before we move on to the next moves, John? No, I'm sad to see Flexen go as well. Um, if this was another team, I would call that a savvy salary move um, to free up cap space and pursue some other talented players. Um, on the Mariners, I call it a cheap move because the <laughs> owner is going to keep that money in his pocket. Sad to see Chris go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, moving on. So after, you can probably just hear the the ice in my drink clinking around. I'm sorry, people. Um, it's hot over there, guys. Come on, give them a break. <laughs> um, so after what happened with Bryce Miller's blister, he got put on the 15-day IL. We recalled Tommy Malone for that spot start that I mentioned uh, against the, I believe it was the Orioles, where he threw, I believe, a, you know, a one run over six innings or whatever it was. He had a really good start, um, but Tommy Malone is the Mariners just like, eternal like we call him up for a game dfa him and he comes back so what happened was we selected the contract of tommy malone from tacoma we optioned darren mccacken who was on our team at that time um down to triple a 
Uh, Penn Murphy got put on the on the 60-day IL. He's out for the season. I believe he's going to have season-ending surgery, which is tough. Um, Tommy Malone pitched for a game, and then we DFA'd him. Uh, <laughs> so, or designated, yeah, yeah, DFA'd him. Um, so hopefully he clears waivers and comes back to us. Really love Tommy Malone. He's a great, like, veteran starter to have out of our out of the triple a area um or out of the triple triple a roster um so really in that in that sense just hoping he sticks around um and can can be there if we have any more injuries come up any thoughts on that one john uh no i don't i don't to be honest i don't know much about him so i i think those the mariners i feel like make a lot of moves at the bottom of the roster um which i actually you know, we'll talk about a couple of other ones that have happened, but I actually am a fan of that uh, of that system, um, playing around with the bottom of the roster because because why not? You know, maybe you strike oil with somebody, you know, maybe it gives somebody with talent the confidence they need to start building a solid career. Um, if you bring a guy up and you don't love what you see, send him down and bring somebody else up. And I feel like the Mariners do that a lot. And I actually am a fan of kind of that system um, in terms of I, I do think I think it's a solid way to, you know, develop develop some young talent, potentially find some diamonds in the rough. Yeah, I agree. It's a great way to develop talent and give give younger players an opportunity to uh, to see, you know, little little sprinklings of the big leagues, as well as give veteran pitchers a reason to come to Seattle like. You know, we love having Tommy Malone around to be able to pitch when we need him. We loved having Chris Flexen, even though he didn't get much time. But having those veteran people to come and, and teach the younger guys is a, is a great opportunity for them as well. And then when they get a spot started, can show them that they have value to another team and maybe another team could want them, whether that's the Mariners or whoever whoever it may be. So I really like the way that the, the system works in that, in that way. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um... Furthering the discussion on recent Mariner moves, they claimed infielder uh, Mark Mathias off waivers from Pittsburgh in early July. Not much is going to happen with that. I think he's a AAA or AA guy. He's not on the he's not on the roster, um, so not much value there. We outrighted <coughs> right-handed pitcher Jose Rodriguez to Tacoma um, today, actually or yesterday, but didn't really get much from him. I believe he's a reliever who we just. He was on our 40-man, so we needed to send him down to, to Tacoma, and that was part of his deal is that he could. He didn't have to be DFA'd or anything like that. Um, we might get into, and this is something that I don't know that you know a ton about, John, but we should maybe talk on a later episode about how designating for assignment works and optioning and things like that, just for our listeners who aren't as uh, into the into the weeds as we are in terms of the transactions. Absolutely, yeah, we should do that. For the listeners that may be a bit confused <laughs> on exactly what that means, I'm, that's a good, good call. Let's do that for the <laughs> listeners. There's a reason I say it like that, man. I know, I know it's for them. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the last thing that happened was on July 6th when we DFA'd Tommy Malone because he couldn't be sent down to tri- AAA, uh, we recalled Isaiah Campbell from AA from Arkansas. Isaiah Campbell, you may remember at the start of the season, we talked about may have a, uh, an outside shot of getting some time, a little 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 sippy cup full of major league experience. Uh, and that's what happened. He came up, and I believe it was yesterday on the 7th, he opened for the game. He started the first, and then we had another guy come in and throw a few more innings. Let me pull up that. But he recorded his first strikeout. Um, he is the second-ever Portugal born major league baseball player um, behind a guy who played in the 1800s. So it's been quite a while, but it's really cool to, uh, to, to, to hear that and to see the Mariners pulling up these young guys and giving them the opportunity to shine. Like we just talked about. Portuguese. Love to see it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I do remember talking about him. Hopefully, hopefully he continues to build a little bit, but. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to come up with hot, scalding hot takes about about some of these young guys, you know? Yeah, I think the one thing that I would say is he's he's just like a really solid foundational piece. Like he's he's a better version of like a Penn Murphy or a Trevor God or a Justin Topa. Like he's just he's just a better like 
throws harder, has a better slider, and is just a better reliever in that sense, um, and younger and still doesn't have the control, but in general he has better tools. Um, one thing to note is he came in in the eighth. I'm sorry, I lied. It was Luis that Castillo makes started that so game. So much more sense. I, I, there was a lot of discussion on Twitter that we would use him as an opener, so I kind of assumed that was what we did, but I didn't check check the the score. It was also in the 10-1 win against Houston yesterday. So there wasn't a ton of pressure on him, but he threw one inning and got a strikeout. That's all you can ask for. You've made a fool of us. <laughs> um, but Isaiah Campbell, a lot of potential as a reliever. I see him in the Matt Brash kind of sphere. Um, by the end of the season, if he keeps up this pace, like he's good and we can use him in the, as a medium leverage reliever, um, where you, where you would consider Andres Munoz, a high leverage reliever and Paul Seawald, a high leverage reliever. You throw them against the best hitters and then you can plug in Isaiah Campbell, Matt Brash into, you know, the six, seven and eight hitters of a lineup when you're in the, when you're in the sixth or whatever it is, or the seventh. Sure, um, or or like you were saying, if you know we're up big on a team and you want to save the big guns, you can throw them out there and count on him to get an inning, maybe two. Exactly, exactly. So, all good things that we like to see. Um, all right, do you want to get into some what the Mariners need to do, some potential trade aspects that we could that we could focus on? Sure. Yeah, I I'm not super optimistic. Um, for all the tinkering we do with the bottom of the roster, <laughs> the general management seems pretty busy with that and, and not very focused at all on little tweaks to the top of the roster. But, uh, yeah, we can talk about what we need. You kind of know how I feel. I mean, you think we need just a, a bat, I think is what it is. Um, can you elaborate bat. on that? Yes. What, I what, want, what do you mean by that? What I want is... In terms of this discussion, for me, power is irrelevant. I don't care if they have 10 home runs. I don't care if they have two home runs. Um, Obviously, power is great, but what I want is an on-base machine. I want somebody who's batting over 295. I'd love it if they're batting over 300. Um, They can be a defensive liability for all I care. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that we need somebody at the top of this order other than JP right now who can just consistently get on base um, and just set up the rest of the lineup for success. Um, yeah, we've talked about this at length. It was it was the whole reason that we had an argument about my boy Fidel. Um, but, you know, they I can't remember the last time the Mariners made a trade like that. Um, so I'm not super optimistic. We don't need help at pitching. I don't think with the way things are going right now, we're desperate for power. It seems like of our best hitters, like six of the eight are, you know, kind of built around power. So I think what we really need, what we really, really, really need is just a fiery bat. One thing that I, that I, heard you say and just want to bring up um is that you said we need an on-base machine and you and then you immediately brought up like averages like somebody hitting above 290 or 300 how would you evaluate somebody who hits 250 but has an on-base of 320 like somebody who walks a ton but the but it's you know just gets on base doesn't do a lot you know hits an average amount of singles but somebody who can draw walks how would you evaluate that is that a as good for you as say somebody who's hitting 290 but doesn't really walk and, and they're on base is 305 no no i i don't i i i think you and i might kind of differ in our our and your understanding is certainly deeper but i think we might kind of differ in what we value in that way um walks are great you know often the guys that get walked the most also bring a lot of power to the table so you know kind of an inherent benefit there but Walks are also very dependent on the pitcher and very dependent on the ump. And what I've found is that guys who are batting 300 halfway through the year, um, their bat translates. It doesn't matter who's pitching necessarily. It doesn't matter what calls they are or aren't getting. They've just got a good eye for the ball and they know where to put it. Um, 
you know, often those guys are some of the most talented baseball players. They just might be lacking a little bit in the athleticism department. Um, you know, it's kind of the equivalent of like, uh, you know, maybe a bad example, but like a Chris Paul in the NBA where it's like, okay, this guy's not a freak athlete, but he sees the game in a really, really, uh, meaningful way. Um, and that's, that is what I want. I want a guy who, if he goes, you know, 0 for 3, 0 for 4 in a game, you're like, wait, what? What happened? You know? Um, and unfortunately, a lot of those guys that draw a lot of walks, they'll have those games, man. They're not getting the walks. And if they're not hitting home runs, then, you know, what's left? So I, I don't want that. Specifically, John Kerry, not interested. I want, I want a bat. I want a smart player who can get on base using his bat. See, the reason I ask that question is to set you up for failure. Um, <laughs> J.P. Crawford has <laughs> J.P. Crawford has 49 walks on the season. The next closest is 35 with Eugenio Suarez. J.P. Crawford has 65 strikeouts, and Eugenio Suarez has 104. J.P. is walking almost as much as he's striking out, which is a crazy number. He's got a 253 average, a 363 on base, which is insane, um, and a 399 slugging. He has the most war by a hitter on the team or on our team. That's the wins above replacement category that I talk about a lot. He is the best position player on our team besides a pitcher, currently based on that statistic. And that's, that's solely because he walks, doesn't strike out, and is productive in his at bats. That's that's great. He's still batting 250. That's the thing. He's batting 250, but he has he has the most value on the team because he walks and does all of those things. And obviously, that's your opinion. You do with that, in, you know, do with that information what you will. I'm just informing you that the baseball world thinks that J.P. Crawford is our best player right now, purely statistically. What that is that is literally nothing to do with what I'm saying. You can have. I was never here to talk down on J.P. I really like J.P., but. That doesn't mean that because we have JP, we have no need for a 300 hitter. Um, that's no, fan- I, that's I, fantastic I that he's doing that. I would also say, once again, you know, even if he was batting 300 and getting all those walks, fantastic. Having two of those guys is even better, you know? Um, and I would also I say that, like, you, would, you might know the answer to this, but you said he has 48 walks on the year. Do you know what he had last year? I don't. I could pull it up right now. Um, and while I do, give me one second. No, here I go. Um, Last year he had 68 walks on the year. He batted 243 on the year last year with a 339 on base. So still really solid. Um, but the thing about walks is you're also guaranteed a single. You're guaranteed not an extra base. Um, and that's the nice thing about having a guy hitting 300 is he's not going to hit a double every time, but he will, in some percentage, get you know to those further bases. So I go, you know, I I love JP. JP is my second favorite offensive player on the roster behind Julio. Um, so yeah, I'm certainly not doubting his skills, but uh, but if, I don't know what that has anything to do with what the team needs and what the team needs right now. In my opinion, is another maybe is a better way to phrase it really reliable on base guy and i would just prefer him not to be reliant on walks okay see i i yeah i get where you're coming from with that i was just giving you that point to show you that i think in my opinion walks are as valuable as singles and so in that regard somebody who walks a ton but doesn't necessarily have a high average which is like a showy number in my mind would give you would give you give us something just as good because somebody who plays like JP would be great for the team and JP walks a lot. Um, I think we're in agreement. We need somebody who gets on base and let's get a little bit into the positions that we need. Currently Colton Wong is a little like trying to come out of his slump. He's actually playing a little bit better recently, but his current average is 166 and he hasn't really, he's like looking up. So that's, that's not really saying a lot. Um, Jose Caballero, he we talked about him a ton early in the season. He's hitting 225. He was hitting in like the 280s, um, so he's fallen off quite a bit in the last, you know, stretch. Uh, all that is to say, we probably need a solid second baseman who can play every day 
and can provide what we were just talking about. Somebody who can get on base, doesn't necessarily need to hit for a ton of power, but somebody who lengthens the lineup and creates a dangerous position out of that spot. Um, any further thoughts on that? Yeah, I've got a, I got a couple for you. I just want I just wanted to mention my boy my boy DJ Fredell has twenty five <laughs> walks on the year and has a three eighty on base. Um, so that's pretty good. But he plays center field, not what we're going for. Sticking with my running gag of only looking at players on the Reds, uh, Jonathan <laughs> India is their starting second baseman, batting two fifty, which sounds right up your alley. It sounds like what you really like is two fifty batters. But yep. he also has thirty six walks on the year, four fifteen slugging, three forty two on base. Yeah, Jonathan India is somebody who a lot of Mariners fans really love. Um, the problem is the Reds are actually decent right now, and they are kind of making a push for the playoffs. Uh, so it's it's tough to say that we could acquire Jonathan India for somebody less than a Logan Gilbert or a George Kirby, and I don't think that we want to do that. Um, but Gilbert, I like where your head's at. Gilbert. I love Gilbert, but come on. We have a glide of would, pitching. We have like... Point. We have like four more years of Logan Gilbert. Jonathan India has maybe a year and a half or two. Which is why um, it doesn't have to be a one-for-one trade. There are ways that you can you can even up. There's no doubt that Gilbert has a lot more value to a team multi-year than Jonathan India does. There's just no doubt about that. But if you can get India and some prospects or something like that, it doesn't have to be a one-for-one, one, but at some point, guys... People, not just you, Tyler, this is everybody. If you are ridiculously deep at pitcher, that's fantastic. But if you need to address the rest of the roster, you have to look at dealing a pitcher. <laughs> I don't know. I just I, I don't think you could go for somebody with that much value who's been playing so well um, without giving up a good pitcher and i would give up bryce miller or brian Wu for somebody but i would not give up gilbert or kirby um maybe if we stacked it with you know more players but at the same time i just don't think that's the right way to go um when you go for if you were to go for like a jonathan india what i think we should do is go for a rental second baseman and then see what we could do um in the in the offseason um with that, my, my pick at, that, that's the, the, at the second base position um, is actually somebody in the AL West who we might be able to trade with if a team starts to con- or continues to do poorly. Uh, Brandon Drury of the Los Angeles Angels is somebody who I would actually really love to see um, in a Mariners uniform. Obviously, he's a, I think he took a one-year deal um, recently. Or with with them, and I'm trying to think of of how much value it was, but I think they, uh, I think Drury's been playing kind of all over the place, but he would be a great spot to take over that second base role and first base role, um, or third base. He's got he's got a variety of positions that he could play, um, and give guys a day off if they need it, um, but be a prime primary second baseman. Now he's been playing a lot for the Angels, and he might be one of the reasons that he's doing very well. But he's hitting 277 with a 322 on base and a 500 slugging um, for an 822 OPS. He's been very good for them. Um, and if the Angels continue to do poorly, I think that's someone that we could that we could talk them into uh, into trading away because we you know if we give them it's just, it's the same kind of type of situation. But he's uh, his contract is shorter. He's less attached to the franchise. Um, and so we could get a little bit we don't we don't have to give up as much for him. We could maybe do a Brian Wu and a Jonathan Classe or something like that for a Brandon Jury. And I think that would be that would be great for the team. Um yeah, that's totally fair. That? Yeah. I yeah, I think that's that's a good call. I think the mistake you're making there is that you just do not see a lot of trades in inner division. Um just kind of a lose lose scenario for both teams. You know, it's going to look good for one team and bad for the other, and they know it, and they know it's going to be highlighted because they play each other so much. You just don't see it very often. It's more realistic if you look out of division or even better out of league. Um, I think that's the one problem with yours. Much like the Reds are, you, you correctly identified, the Reds are too good to be dealing, you know, their 
starting really talented second baseman. I think the Angels are one still in it, especially, especially, especially trying to hold on to Otani. They need to do everything they can to keep their feet in. And they also, I don't think they want to trade players to the Mariners. Um, so my actual call, because you're right on the Reds, you got to look. I'm looking outside league, and I'm looking bottom of the standings. You you want to poach talent from teams that have nothing to lose and that want to take flyers for the future. So uh, I want to go to the St. Louis Cardinals and pull their second baseman, Brendan Donovan. Um, he's a first-year guy, lefty batter, righty thrower, really talented, 289 average, nine home runs. Uh, what's he doing? He's got a 375 on base, 415 slugging, 30 walks. You should be all over that. No, Brendan Donovan is very good. Uh, there's a lot of discussion with the Mariners on Twitter right now. A lot of discussion with the Mariners talking um, with the Cardinals. And, you know, everybody, everybody's all over them trying to go for any of the Cardinals players because for whatever reason, the Cardinals have good players and they are playing poorly. They're and playing so it's great poorly. to poach them. Yeah, it's great to poach those guys. Um, it's tough because the Cardinals should be good, and so it might be something where they're willing to get rid of guys that have longer contracts uh, because they have Arenado and Goldschmidt who will be around for, I think, a couple more years or maybe a year or two, and they want to win now. Um, so that might be a great opportunity to do that. But that being the case, you might have to give up a Bryce Miller. Um, I think Bryce Miller would be the low point on that if you were to try and make that deal. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. But there's a lot of talk about guys on the Cardinals being being traded for pitching. Um, with yeah. the Mariners. It would suck to see any of our higher-level higher, uh, arms go. But that's a, that's a big point of discussion on Mariners Twitter, and I, I support it. I would love to see uh, – Brent, was it Brendan Donovan? Brendan Donovan. I think Brendan Donovan for Bryce Miller is super reasonable. They're both young guys. Brendan's 26. Um and really showing out. He's young and balling. Bryce Miller is young and was balling and has been a little more up and down recently. Obviously, pitchers are more valuable, but he's a less proven commodity, in my opinion. Um, and it serves both teams' needs. That just that seems like a good trade for both teams. The Mariners get a for-sure talented bat who can do a little bit of everything. He can hit for power he can get on base with walks he can get on base with average um and the cardinals shake things up and get a high ceiling young pitcher yeah no i i love that kind of deal i think nolan gorman is another guy on the cardinals who the mariners have been there's been talks about them going for yeah the cardinals have a lot of really young talented players uh large new bar is another one that people have talked about getting him because he's a Japanese player to get him before Shohei comes. Uh, there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of good talk about um, the the Cardinals and Mariners, and so I I really support that kind of deal. Um, it just might be tough to get it all to come to fruition with everything else going on in the league and other people trying to do the exact same thing. So it's going to be tough, but I, I I like that idea a lot. Let's move on. Um, I like that we both gave a couple ideas for. Second baseman, let's get a quick discussion on maybe a fourth outfielder. AJ Pollock is not doing it for me. Um, and we don't really have another one um, by the wayside. So we might have to acquire a fourth outfielder. Do you have any thoughts about anybody besides TJ Friedel, Obviously, uh, You son of a gun. <laughs> stop, stop jumping on my jokes. Um, I do not have any thoughts. Honestly, I didn't do any research for outfield, so I, I'm happy to lean on your expertise. We're also we're also running 56 minutes in, so <laughs> that's you, true. Let me just what, give give me a take. Yeah, let me give one more take. A massive deal with the Angels, and we get Hunter Renfro, who I believe is in is is mainly outfield. I saw him playing first base a couple days ago, um, but he plays right field, but could be a great backup left fielder. Uh, or right fielder when we need to give Teoscar a break, um, and Brandon Drury for a large package of prospects, which would really deplete the farm system. But if we gave them a Jonathan Classe, maybe even a Harry Ford, if we dropped a Bryce or Brian Wu in there, um, and kind of threw a big deal, and they started to do poorly, and they traded away Shohei to someone else, I don't think we go for Shohei right now. Um, all of that could come together to make a great combination of 
obviously somebody who's in in the division and that could cause problems for one of the teams if things don't work out um because of just the the inner division stuff that you talked about um it could make for a great deal to get us an outfielder and a second baseman and solve two of our biggest issues and also help the angels to just get going again in another direction they're not gonna they're not gonna make it with this current core of players and i think they need to kind of go a different route and so that that's my thought i'm really into on the angels trades right now yeah i think that's i think that's totally reasonable if shohei is gone like if shohei is either traded away or made it completely clear to management i am out of here next year i don't care if we win every game the rest of this season um then you know then i think they're in full let's blow it up and get prospects and i think that kind of deal even like i was saying with the interdivision stuff if they're trading if they're trading talented players for prospects and going full rebuild they don't care how good those players are for us they just want prospects so um if shohei is like not wearing his jersey anymore i think that's a super reasonable deal but if they still think there's any chance they can talk him into staying in Anaheim, um, I don't think that they would do that trade. Yeah, which is which is fully understandable. But just a, just a big trade deal to to end the to end the episode. Um, do you want to real quick talk about the the Kraken signings for for two seconds and then I'll sign us off? Yeah, yeah, might as well. Just just very briefly. Um, not super big news by any means. Um, but two signings recently. We re-signed William Borgen, who uh, plays defense for us, uh, to a two-year deal. He's a young player, 26 years old, um, out of Minnesota, a 2015 draft guy. Uh, he had an okay year in 2023. He had three goals and 17 assists, uh, 20 points, um, and was just solid. I like Borgen. Um, we've talked about our defensive issues, but... Uh, he's a talented point of attack guy when the defense moves up and um, is young and has time to develop. So like to see that we brought him back. Goodness gracious, he's a year older than me. We're getting old, dude. <laughs> uh, that but th- up, buddy. this will make me feel young. We got we also signed to a one year deal Pierre Edouard Bellemare out of France, believe it or not. <laughs> Um, he is 38 years old, which makes me feel like a spring chicken. Um, <laughs> and uh, is a solid guy. We got him from Tampa Bay, uh, which, you know, anytime you can get literally anybody off the Tampa Bay roster, I think it's a good idea. Maybe he knows what they're slipping into the Gatorade down there, and we can start copying it. Um, yeah, I think... You know, he's 38 years old. Last year, he had four goals and nine assists. Uh, he plays left wing, by the way. Um, so not a super impactful offensive guy. He's averaging like 11 minutes on the ice per game. Played in 73 games, so he's a he's still a tough guy. But uh, he's not a guy that we're going to bring in to completely revitalize our offense. But he is a culture guy. You know, 38 years old long time career he's going to have respect from the young players uh he's coming from a team that is arguably the most dominant like dominant like franchise for the last like half decade in hockey in terms of just every single year for the last five to ten years tampa bay has been really solid so a good culture guy um yeah, not not a big not a big trade for on the or not a big signing for on the ice, but I I do like that we secured him. Yeah, no, great, great to great to hear that we've got some some nice veteran presence and are bringing our bringing our guys back. Um, hopefully that hopefully that continues and we can keep building a nice roster. I'm with you. If you in, I'm gonna just go for it, man. My computer is at six percent and we are we are running on fumes right now, so it's time. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify. If you are listening to this episode, you've probably found us, so give us a follow. Uh, you can follow or talk to us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Sound Up Seattle, all lowercase, all one word. You can find me, Tyler, at Tycart50, everywhere that's important. And you can find John making our house a mess right now while I'm away. Um, 
other than that, we hope you have a great, uh, great week. Enjoy that all-star game in Seattle and go see all the sites and enjoy the vibes. Um, let's go M's baby. Let's go Reds.